What's up, folks? This is Tony Brew and Aaron Dotson, and you're watching or listening, as the case may be, to Christianity Now. We have had some technical difficulties this morning with Restream and some of our electronics. Uh, that's unfortunate, but we are here. Um, we have a, hopefully a good show planned for you this morning. We got a couple of uh, couple of interesting videos to watch uh, that will allow us to converse about something from an interesting perspective that I think left some folks uh, confused from last week where we were talking a little bit about homosexuality. And I made some statements last week, and from what I can see and what I've heard, there is a misunderstanding about, A, what constitutes sin and how somebody is judged guilty of sin by the law of Christ and by God. and our desires, what we want. And <clears throat> so we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to do it through the from the perspective of these two videos that I have. So the show is Christianity Now. This is episode 20, so we've been doing this quite a while, 20 weeks. And we take the we talk about contemporary issues from the timeless perspective of God's word. Aaron, won't you say hello to everybody and then read the verse uh, that we have uh, prepared that we use to kind of uh, get the idea for the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening. Appreciate y'all's support. And uh, it's always encouraging to see people commenting each week. Uh, we usually quote First Chronicles or read First Chronicles 12.32. I thought for context, I'd read a line out of verse 23. Now, these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron, to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. And then a few verses later in verse 32 of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. And that's the idea behind this. We want to have understanding of the times to know what God's people ought to do today and be at command, like be ready and prepared. That's it. At a moment's notice, minute men. <laughs> well, the you know the the thing about it is, uh, the 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 full context of that section of scripture is every tribe of Israel sent people that had particular skill sets, and yeah. the skill set that the sons of Issachar had were men who had understanding of the times. Yeah. Without understanding of the times, without knowledge of contemporary issues. You will not know how to go, and you will not how to order yourself and order your life in the world. And a lot of folks say, well, you know, why do we, why do we talk about these things? You know, I get tired of hearing about this trans problem. I get tired of hearing about the relationship between men and women in a marriage. I get tired of hearing about abortion. I get tired of hearing about uh, sex changes for, um, you know, whatever. You know what? It's in the world. Yes. And and Matt Walsh said something very interesting in a lecture. He's been going around doing a lecture about uh, doing screenings and doing lectures about his documentary, What is a Woman, which I recommend everybody watching. Don't watch it with your children, though. It's not for children. But watch it and understand that this is what people are facing today. And he said the the liberal left gaslights conservatives who hold Judeo-Christian values by saying, well, this is just not a big deal. You're the one that's making it a big deal because you're talking about it all the time. Why do you uh, find it so uh, such a big issue? 
Well, the reason we find something like that a big issue, you know, if you say that a boy can be a girl or a girl can be a boy, and if a man dresses up as a woman to refer to that person as a woman, as if she were, as if he were born a woman, rather, well, that's akin, that's the same thing as saying two plus two equal five. And I suppose, and Matt Walsh said this, if there were a group of people going around and saying, hey, a circle, it has four corners on it, four 90 degree equal corners, then as long as that didn't gain a lot of traction, probably wouldn't say much about it because that's just a kook. But if we had an entire political party in our country that was making policy and trying to force that on people who understood that a geometric shape with four 90 degree angles is a square, got a problem. Then, then I would be as vehemently against that as I am against transitioning children that are minors or trying to tell me that women can be men and men can be women. Why? Because we love the truth. We yeah. preach the truth in love of the truth, my friends. And it is our job to articulate the truth, to shine a light on the truth, to use a truth to shine a light on the falsities of reality. Anyway, that's, that's just some things that, that we talk about. Um, now, let's talk about these videos. Aaron, I, I said last week, uh, I talked a little bit about being born gay, and that was hard for some people. And what people hear whenever they hear born gay is that God made them that way. That is not true. Right. There are people who are born, like people who study certain things, study these things, have found that even in the womb, as your brain is being formed, there are neural pathways that are formed. There are things that are happening that would show somebody if they were able to look at it without harm to the baby or to the mother that they are going that this individual this baby is going to grow up with a proclivity uh, uh, um, um, more than normal desire to hurt people and when i say a more more than normal desire if we're all honest with ourselves we have a we have a we have a desire sometimes to hurt people that's why we have to control ourselves that's why one of the christian virtues is temperance hmm. um I think about uh, you know Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, look, there were environmental circumstances. Um, there were issues with his mother uh, whenever he was uh, in the in the womb that shaped his psyche on into his adulthood. Was he quote unquote born a serial killer? He was born with an unnatural desire to do certain things and through these interviews that have come out you can kind of you can kind of hear that and you can kind of listen to it it's very interesting quite frankly a lot but of splash with his name right now because of the oh, show oh, that yeah. came out and everything yeah which is which is abominable this show that come out i bet it, it is I, I i wasn't interested in it but. no i've 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 looked at reviews i have listened to people who have watched it who share our same values and they watched it, you know, for educational reasons. 
and it's just terrible. They make the police out to be terrible. They make it oh my. they make it out like everybody in the community just kind of knew that this was what he was doing and they they just totally fabricated certain things There's to agenda. make it yeah, to make it look different, you know. So, anyway, I, I don't want to get there, yeah. yeah, I don't want to get deep into that, but my point is I don't get into the debate much about whether or not people who are practicing homosexuals are born gay because it doesn't matter. I concede that point. Let's say God um, God set this world up, man sinned, so once man sinned, it opened the door for all kinds of deviations and perversions of the norm. In a perfect world, in a in a perfect existence, a child would be born male, a child would be born female. That female child, just like that she was supposed to, during development would have an estrogen bath in her brain, and her brain would develop in a certain way, and she would have all the proper feminine traits and desires that you would look for in a virtuous woman and the male child would have a testosterone bath. His brain would be bathed in testosterone in the womb and he would be born with all of the traits and proclivities that you would associate with godly masculinity, virtuous masculinity, and we wouldn't be dealing with these certain kind of issues. That is not the case, however. And there is femininity and masculinity is on a spectrum. There are very feminine men. There are very masculine females. That's just all there is to it. What does it matter as to why? Because when we're trying to talk to people and we're trying to save souls, we deal with behavior and we try to help people live a life that is fulfilled in Christ. And Matthew chapter 19, where the Jesus is being tested about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, he talks about this in an inadvertent way. There are some who are eunuchs for the kingdom's sake. Yeah. If you are a very feminine man, if you are a very masculine woman, and you are sexually aroused and attracted to members of your own sex. Whether that comes from birth or not does not matter. You're going to need to be a eunuch for the kingdom. Or or else you're going to have to live a lie. You're going to have to live in a way that denies uh, your your desires. You're you're going to be a, a very feminine man who is sexually attracted to men, and you're going to have to marry a woman. Yeah. And vice versa. And I know people who have done, I know people, I know of people who have done that. You know, you can, you can find research that is done and you can, you can look at studies that have been done about men who are homosexual, women who are homosexual, and they live as heterosexual. And it's quite frankly, it's not a very good life. If you ask me, why would you not be a eunuch for the kingdom? It's not fair to your partner for sure. Yeah. You know? Well, I think what you said in the very beginning is makes it very clear that God 
did not make them that way. But yet, yes, it is possible, and it does happen, that people are they have a proclivity to act yeah. in certain ways because of biological and external to the womb factors. Yes. That, you know, behaviors that are the way a, a, a fetus and a, a baby is treated when they're in the womb, the things they hear, you know, don't tell me that they don't pick up on moms and dads screaming and hollering and cursing at each other and, and who knows, and, and everything else, well, you know, it affects them. That that's a little more abstract. It's true. It's just as true as the what I'm about to say, but it's a little more, a little bit more abstract and and harder to understand than environmental stimuli of drugs and alcohol and and actual physical trauma. Like you know, if your child's in a car wreck, or if your child's in, if you're in a car wreck when you're pregnant with your child, that affects the child yeah. in, in ways that we can't even know. Yeah, but we know that it does. There's a very interesting, there's a Facebook page called The Body Keeps the Score. Now, this dude is ultra liberal, but he is a psychotherapist and he has done a lot of research in how trauma and external factors affect our physical bodies. And it's, it's very interesting research that is done. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of, I, I absolutely just because I give up the proposition, I, I give, I concede the position that people are born gay in no means says that I am justifying homosexuality, practicing homosexuality, uh, nor am I saying that that is God's design. It's not God's design. It's not God God's design. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not God's design. If somebody comes, if, if somebody is born uh, absent an arm. Have you ever seen people who were born with an arm that didn't? De- I don't know. If the, I don't know a good way to describe this. Except it looks like it didn't develop past the elbow. Yep. You know, or they have a ball at the end of their wrist with a little with some nubbins. What about? Hey, what about the fact that there's a word here that I'm going to mispronounce? But maphrodites. A maphrodites. Yeah. Well, why is that? If yeah. there are no effects that cause someone to be born certain ways, no biological or whatever. You Psychological. Know. Yeah. If there are no, none of that, then why are there? Because, yes, the norm, more than the majority of the people, are not born with that yeah. that way. But it happens. Even yeah. if you say, well, it's a tiny, tiny percent, but it happens. But it happens. That means it's possible. In every case, it is possible for it to happen. And... In normal cases, it doesn't, but in a few cases, it does. Yep. Exactly. I think of, you know, Anthony had, was born with a, with a polydactyly, polydactyly. Po- yeah. Polydactyly. It's an extra digit. He had a, he had an extra little toe. He had an extra pinky toe on one of his feet. Ah. You know, that's a, that's way more common than you would think it is. Way more common. There, there's a, there's a couple at church here that. Their baby was just born. He had he had a polydactyly on each hand. Wow. His mother had the same polydactyly. Yeah, probably more common than we think because there's only, what, like nearly 8 billion people on the earth now? <laughs> yep. I guarantee it. That's, a, that's, a, that's more people than I can really imagine. <laughs> I guarantee I can it. I process. All right. So we're going to look at a couple of these videos, and we're going to try to not to go for three hours today because we're going to want to because there's a lot here. 
anyway, but just, just to answer anybody's questions, to deal with any objections before they come up. God did not make you a certain way. God had a design, and man deviated from that design and perverted God's plan whenever man sinned. Therefore, we have all manner of people born with certain proclivities, and the God's remedy for that is to give us this book and say, look, despite your desires, your lust, here's how you are to live. Yeah. And that's... And that that in no way concedes the idea that we are not responsible for, you know, God, you know, obeying God's law or that we do not have the ability to obey God's law. We absolutely do. Absolutely. Of course, that's a whole nother train wreck, you know, to talk about that I was exposed to again this morning. I saw online, you know, just this whole thing that we can't come to God is. This whole Calvinism <laughs> stuff, but but anyhow, that's another. Yeah, but you know that in no way sets off the responsibility that we have. We we are amenable to the gospel, and we must obey the gospel in order to be right with God. Absolutely, and the, isn't that beautiful, Aaron? Even even if you are a sociopath, you can obey the gospel, and you can choose to live in accordance with God's will. Despite your abhorrent desires, yeah, that that's if you're homosexual, you can obey the gospel and live the way God wants you to live, despite your desires. Yes, and I'm going to say this: yes. mm. if you are heterosexual, you can obey the gospel and live the way God wants you to live, despite your desires. So we'll we'll get we'll get into that more in a moment. La, la, let me say this real quick. Last night, right now, Phil Sanders is conducting our gospel meeting here. Okay. And last night he was talking to three or four young preacher students from MSOP mm-hmm. out here. And of course I I chimed in a few times while I wasn't distracted with other people, but he, you know, he made the point that that there are men and women that he knows who have the desires to act on homosexual desires, but the charge to them from the gospel is to not act on those desires, just like what you just said, just That's like it. heterosexuals are not to act on that. You That's know? it. He was actually talking about some of the same things uh, in this discussion of four or five people, and it, it was it was good. It's needed. And he was talking about all the things that were going on right now that how we need to stand against, you know, the things that are being pushed so hard. He talked to, quite a bit about uh, communism and the things that are going on, pushing oh, yeah. Marxism, pushing this transgender stuff yeah. with our children, et cetera. But oh yeah, well, communism, socialism, and Marxism and social justice is anti-God. Absolutely, it's anti-God. It and, is, and and incidentally, Phil Sanders also talked about all the things that go with that social justice and the immoralities of that with Black Lives Matter. And you know, oh, man. wow. If you say that, you're an enemy of most people, if you say that, because that effort has so infiltrated and so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It has so permeated. Yes. It's so saturated our society. A lot of good people have fallen for that man-made system, that man-made idea. Yeah. And they, you know, they, they'll they'll tell you exactly what they're out to do. They're out to destroy the family unit. They're out to destroy nuclear um, nuclear family. Anyway. 
Let's get Go into this it. and. Uh, oh, the word homosexual. Oh, was- oh, hold on. I thought I had a. I thought I had a buffer before it started. So. This is this is going to bother you. This is a member of the clergy. She is a pastor or a reverend or something in some man-made church. I got this from TikTok. And she's singing this song. All right, you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, the word homosexual was never in the Bible. It wasn't in the Bible till 1946. And the word it replaced translates to pedophile. Wonder why they did it must be a mystery. Yeah, so I'm going to stop there before I let this guy chime in. This guy chimes in and corrects her. I've been seeing this dude's memes where he takes out a red pen and he changes tweets and stuff to correct them. Yeah. He's he's pretty sharp. I, um, yeah. He's not a New Testament Christian, sadly, which it really bothers me sometimes when I see folks like this where I'm like, man, you're so close. You have such a sharp mind yep. and uh, you just miss it. You know, you just yeah. miss it. But yeah, he does the red pen thing. I've yeah. seen that a few times online. Yeah, but you you've heard this before. Well, the word homosexual is not in the Bible. So what what's up with that? 1946 is whenever it was first added, and the word translated means pedophilia. And uh, yeah, I've, I've dealt with that before, and I That's thought wrong. it would be good today. It's it's absolutely wrong, <laughs> uh, and it's a and it's a it's a non sequitur. It's it's a misnomer. It's several different things all bought into one. Uh, the word homosexual does not have to be in the Bible. And as this guy aptly points out, or it may be the next video, the word homosexual is an English word. Yeah. It, it's made up of of the word homo, which is a, probably a Latin prefix, and sexual, which followed the etymology of that word. Mm-hmm. But he's going to break this down pretty good, and he, 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 does, he does well here. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Go ahead. It's really common to hear people say or sing that the word homosexual was never in the Bible until translators with nefarious motives added it in 1946. Interestingly, this claim also came up in a video titled, Top 5 Bits of Church History That Caused Me to Question My Faith. The word in Hebrew refers to child molesters. It wasn't until 1946 that anyone even tried to say that it referenced homosexual. Now, I'm not going to... Y'all probably can't see this well, but the word is on the video. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I don't pronounce Greek well. Hebrew is worse for me. But anyway, the, these people, it's First Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Those that desire to be teachers of the law, knowing not what they say, nor whereof they affirm. Yep. And, and that's King James vernacular. Basically what Paul is saying, there's folks that desire to be teachers of the law. It's not just that they don't know what they're saying. They're not even aware of what they're affirming by what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, they, they, they can't take the proposition that they are setting forth and extrapolate from that other propositions that they would be affirming because of it. Like for instance, we, I was talking about predestination and this woman was die hard saying, my husband, I was predestined to meet him. And this, that, and I'm like, you weren't predestined to meet him. If God predestinates everything, then God has to predestinate sin. And, and, and she just couldn't wrap her mind around that. You know, like God predestinates our death. You don't, you die when you're supposed to, not a minute before, not a minute after. Because God's predestinated from the foundation of the world. I'm like, well, then God has to predestinate and control the way you die. 
So what if you die because somebody murders you? That means God had to cause a person to murder you. And then that means that per and if that person dies unrepentant, you know, like like for instance, let's take a drunk driver. A guy's driving drunk is a skunk, T bones you, and you die and he dies, he's going to hell. If you're in a right relationship with God, you go to heaven. But if God predestinates your death and he predestinates the manner in which you die, that means he had to predestinate this man and 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 all the things from the foundation of the world that led to him being in existence at that time and that place to be in sin, committing sin, and you died as a, as a result of it. And, and that's what some of them believe. They're so married to that ideology. That's, yes. God calls them to be lost. It's God's responsibility. Well, and we can't question it. The potter can't say, the clay can't say to the potter, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I have more respect for those people that than for people who say, well, God predates, uh, you know, you, you you die you die when you're supposed to not a minute before or after and they don't understand about the other i have very little respect for those people i have a lot more respect for people who just full bore go calvinism yeah you know at least they're um academically they're they're logically sound all right they're logically sound they are not right but you can be logically sound and not right anyway Let's go. So she, she, this woman doesn't understand what she's saying, nor whereof she affirms. Actuality. Let me repeat that. 1946. 1946 is when they made that adjustment to the Bible. Let's pull out the red pen and try to break this one down. First, the word homosexual was never in the original Bible. And that's because... It's an English word, and the Bible was primarily written in Hebrew and Greek. All the English words were added to the Bible at some point in time. So the real question seems to be whether the English word homosexual is an accurate translation of a particular Greek word in the New Testament. The Greek word in question is the word... I want to stop there. Do you notice how he brought it back? He did not even... He, he gave an overview of, of, of her argument, but then he brought it back to the core. Christians, listen to me. I want you to lean in and listen. You've got to get good at doing this. Whenever you're talking to somebody, don't argue these ancillary, extraneous details. Yeah, that's where they want you. Yes. Concede what you, that, that's why I concede the, the proposition that, that, that people are born gay. Yeah, okay, so you're born gay. Good. God bless you. Now. Let, how how as a gay person do you live your life? Exactly, and I don't I don't get off in the weeds about whether or not somebody's born gay. Who cares? Yeah. What what if what if you're dealing with a serial killer? Well, I was born a serial killer. Okay, God bless you. Yep. Now, how do you live your life? Exactly. How, how do you deal with that? People are afraid of that because they're not familiar with it, and because they're ignorant of it, because they think that that's opening the door to saying God made them that way. But like you said very clearly, we're not saying God made them that way. That's it's it. man's sin. It's man's fault that these deviations have taken place. And the fact that they have taken place does not justify acting out on those desires. That's the whole point. That's it. All right. Man can mess it up so much that does not justify it. Amen. All right. Let's, let's hear what our red pen fella has to say. Arsenokoitai, which the Apostle Paul seems to have invented by combining two words, 
arson, meaning man, and koitai, meaning bed. So arsenokoitai literally means men who bed other males. Koitai, incidentally, coitus is an English word for sex. Arsenokoitai, man sex. (laughs) Furthermore, nothing in the word itself or in its context restricts the meaning to pedophilia or other exploitive sex. On the contrary, the two words Paul combines appear together in two Old Testament prohibitions against homosexual sex. In fact, they're right next to each other in Leviticus 20.13. Paul seems to be deliberately drawing from Leviticus 18.22 and Leviticus 20.13. I thought that was very interesting, and I've never noticed that connection. I was writing that down, yeah. Yeah, so it's very interesting. And and look, well, ah, I want to save this for the next video. Just make listeners make a mental note of that because it's going to come up again. Or my point is going to come up again in the next video. You got anything, Aaron? No, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I know we got a lot. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, incidentally, wonder why Paul, what, 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 what skill set and education would Paul have that would allow him to draw heavily on what God has already taught from the Old Testament? Hebrew and Old Testament. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's he's a Hebrew's Hebrew. Yeah, maybe he went to the school of Gamaliel. <laughs> yeah, may, may, you know, maybe he was a a PhD level Hebrew scholar. Absolutely. In addition yeah. to the fact he was guided by the Holy Spirit directly. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which universally prohibit homosexual behavior, not just exploitive sex like pedophilia. Uh, if you didn't catch that, it's exploitative sex. And that, that's the argument that's made. Homosexuality in a loving, uh, consensual relationship is fine as long as it's not exploitative. And and that's the slippery slope down which these liberals are going. And I shouldn't say liberals, leftist, leftist. Liberals, liberals are just like you and me. In fact, I'm I'm more liberal than I am conservative. Okay. But I'm more classical liberal than I am. But I'm certainly not a leftist, okay? Now, what do I mean? Why am I going down this road? Consent is the golden standard. So homosexuality is is not abhorrent in a consensual relationship. And the reason why pedophilia is bad is because young children cannot consent. Because they don't have the mental faculties to consent. That's why heterosexual or homosexual sex with a child is abhorrent in our society. But what is happening now with this transgender movement is the age of consent, whether we know it or whether whether we realize this or not, is being lowered to the point where a 12-year-old can consent to sexual things like changing your sex. If a 12-year-old can consent to changing one's sex, their sex, then a 12-year-old can consent to sex. Therefore, any sex that a 12-year-old has with another individual is not exploitative. That is the logical progression of the arguments of, of this liberal, of this left-wing position that's where we're headed, folks. Yeah. And if and if you ain't if you ain't been able to see that, then you're an ostrich with your head in the sand. Yep. 
And, 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 you know, not too many years ago, all the left was saying, oh, it, no, no, it'll never go. That's not what we're, that's a conservative Bible thumper tactic yeah. to scare people. Well, here we are. Vander, Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville, Tennessee was recently outed for performing sex change, gender affirming surgery, sex changes on adolescents that were not adults. Now, they have recently quit because they were called out for it. But, y'all, that's in the Bible Belt, and that's in, a, that's in a very conservative state in the South. That's not New York. That's not California. That's not Colorado or Washington. Yeah. That's Tennessee. Yep. And the governor, Asa Hutchins, tried to veto a bill that would protect our children against these predations of these perverts. It, nice. it's, it's going that way where consent is the gold standard. And as long as I consent to it, we're fine. And, and it's because of arguments like these. Yep. And, and that's what this man, he, 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 he really put it in there. That was, that was good that he used that phrase exploitative. There's nothing in the word that is used by Paul that necessitates or 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 uh, not, not necessitates um, confines this definition of term to exploitative homosexual activity. Right. Even in a even loving, right. yeah, even in a loving consensual adult relationship, homosexuality is not allowed. That's right. But let's just assume for the sake of argument that the word homosexual is a bad English translation. What follows from that? Would that change what the Bible teaches about homosexual sex? No, and here's why. Even if the word never appeared in the Bible. He's about to make an, a, an amazing point, something that I've been saying for years. And uh, yeah, talk about validation. I love getting validated, Aaron. And you're going to be validated here as well. It's nice. Yeah. Bible, the behavior is still described and prohibited. Just read Leviticus 18.22 or... All right. The, the behavior is still um, described and prohibited. And, he, and he, he cites Leviticus. I wouldn't do that. I, I right. wouldn't say Leviticus prohibits homosexual activity. Why? Well, it doesn't prohibit homosexuality, a homosexual activity in the current age right. because Leviticus, it no longer applies to us. Yeah. At most, it shows you the character of God was the same. That's it. The Old Testament, or at least his feelings toward that behavior. Yes. Not, I, not I, I got, but. yes, I got into an argument with the brother in Christ because, and, and we were working in close proximity with one another. And I'm like, look, you're going real hard against homosexuals and you're citing all of these Old Testament verses. Why would you do that? It, it, it puts out the wrong, like, well, well, homosexuals deserve death. Yes, homosexuals do deserve death because sin deserves death. Right. But so do people who have heterosexual sex outside of wedlock. They deserve death as well. And if you're going to be quoting all these verses from the Old Testament that condemn homosexual uh, activity, 
quote them that that call for the death of people who commit heterosexual sin. Yeah, adulterers. But but the thing about it is, we don't go to the you don't go to the left of the blank page in your Bible to convict people of sin in today's age. Who are living on the right side of the blank page? Yes, you you've got to you've got to go to the New Testament, and there are plenty of verses in the New Testament that condemn the activity of homosexuality. Absolutely. All right, and and he he and incidentally he cites Romans here, which yeah, is good. good. Yeah. Romans one twenty seven. In addition, homosexual sex is ruled out by the Bible's consistent teaching on sex and marriage. Look, some English translations are better than others. Personally, I think translating arsenokoitai as homosexuals causes confusion since... I'm in agreement. I, I really am. Nothing wrong with, with, with acknowledging that. They just call it what it is. It's, yeah. it's man-sexers. <laughs> yeah. People who, you know, men who have sex with men. You might have to translate that word into a phrase in English... Yeah. In order to get it, get the core of the meaning because it's yeah. talking about the action, not the identification. Yeah. The way it says homosexuals makes you think of someone that has that desires only. You know, yes. It would include that person. And that's what we have done today yeah. is we have said the way you identify, it, the, the, the way you identify is sinful. Now, that's not to be confused with a man identifying as a woman because there is, you cannot identify as a woman and, and not, and th that is the action. That's a metaphysical action based on a desire that you have. My desire as a man is to identify as a woman. Therefore I identify as a woman. That's your action. You acted. But, right. You've acted on your desire. But if you are a homosexual man, def definition of that term is I desire relationship sexual relationship with other men you haven't changed your identity You're, I, right i, I, I haven't like changed an identity yeah i haven't changed an identity mm -hmm. i've i've identified my nature my and my by nature what i mean is how i am yeah okay my desire. Uh, yes my desire is i want to have sex with other men yeah i do not take action on that therefore even though i am homosexual and i will never not be homosexual I don't act upon homosexual desire, therefore I am not in sin. Yep. And and that's the next video is going to we're going to bring a little bit more about about that. Yeah. Go ahead for time's sake. Go ahead. Yeah. Paul is referring to behavior, not identity. Amen. That's why many English translations say something like males who have sex with males or anyone practicing homosexuality. Videos like this misguide and misinform people by casting doubt on the univocal voice of scripture and 2,000 years of church teaching on matters of sex. Univocal. You ever heard that word? No. Like All right. So. I decided I was going to do this. Let's go to Launchpad. <laughs> Let's go to dictionary, pull out my Oxford English, U-N-I, no, yeah, U-N-E-V-I-C, no. I tell you what I may have to do, I may have to do another window and go univocal. Univocal. Okay. You. Equivocal versus univocal. 
Okay, it looks like univocal. Univocal, univocal meaning. It's uh, the philo- it's philosophy, linguistics, li- linguistics. It's of a word or a term having only one possible meaning, which is which is good. So there is a univocal nature in Scripture, where words can be used, and they then they have. Uh, so certain words have only one possible meaning or, uh, yeah, a word or a term having only one possible meaning. So he's, I guess what he's saying here then is um, videos like this cast doubt on our English translations and make it appear that w- words in Scripture are what is it? Uh, you you know you you univocal. Well, now I can't remember. Univocal. 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 I've univocal. got it written down, but yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it. Univocal. Univocal. So, not the, the scripture is not univocal. Why? Look at the different ways faith is used. Right. Look at the different ways repentance is used. Works. Yeah. Works. Yeah, yeah. You get. You gotta. You gotta look at your context. Well, look at the different way spirit is used. Oh, yeah. Wind. Yeah. Breath. Yeah. Spirit. Hey, and on that whole, what we're talking about here, you know, we not too long ago talked about uh, translations. If brethren would be so dogmatic about translations and consider other good committee translated Bibles, yeah, and they would get a wide range. And that's good for us because most of us, including me, do not know Greek. We do not have a thorough knowledge of Greek. Not so the way translators you, do. No. So when you glance at the other translations, you might grab something and say, ooh, I didn't know that. I need to look at the word a little bit more. First Corinthians 6, 9 says, do not be deceived, uh, neither sexually immoral, nor forni- uh, excuse me, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. That's it. Practice. And and then the uh, another one that the Christian Standard Bible says, uh, males who have sex with males. See, have sex, like yep. an act, not just, oh, you're a homosexual because you have a temptation. Yes, know? absolutely. And you're not a thief if you have a temptation to steal. No. If you never steal, you're not a thief. Somebody says, well, you are what you think. Well, yeah, but where's the Bible say that? Where's it? Well, how did, well as a, well, man, as a man, man think well, of in his heart, heart, so is so he. Is he. Well, let's go, let's go to Proverbs and look at that. First off, Proverbs are not axiomatic. Right. Proverbs are general truths. Yep. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Why? Because you're not going to do something that you don't think about first. Right. Right. That is right. not, that does not mean, and, and this gets back into Matthew chapter five. Well, you know, I, I looked at that woman. And I lusted. That means I've committed adultery with her. No, you didn't. And now, if you looked at her for the purpose of lusting, then you have. Yep. But that doesn't mean you committed fornication. So that means your wife can't put you away and remarry. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Very good. I'm yep. glad you, you know. And, yeah, and and you and univocal like looking with the purpose of lusting. You didn't even commit adultery. You committed adultery in your heart. No, you did commit adultery. Yeah. Well, like that's ex- that's explicit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's explicit. You committed adultery. You did not commit fornication. Fornication right. and adultery are two different things. Absolutely. That's, a, that's another right. thing my brethren get wrong. 
they they yeah. they say, well, there's only one reason for somebody to get divorced and be able to be married, and adultery. that's adultery. That is right. not what the text says. Jesus said fornication. Right. I can commit adultery and not fornicate. Mm. I can commit adultery and never have sexual relationship with another woman yep. or man or animal, which is the wide scope of that word. Yeah. Which is, I had, I had a very preeminent brother in the Lord's church argue with me about that. I'm like, you don't even believe that because it, it Jesus said, and whoever marries her that has been put away doth also commit adultery. So if I, if I, if I, if my wife leaves me because she doesn't like me anymore, and then somebody else marries her, well, then the person who marries her, if he never has sex with her, he's still committing adultery when they're married. When, whenever, the, whenever the officiate says, uh, do you, do you, and they both say, I do, and he says, I now pronounce you man and wife, they're committing adultery, and they're not having sex. They've never had to have sex. They've never had to fornicate. Adultery is not grounds for divorce and remarriage. Fornication is. Right. right. That's exactly right. Oh, That's my brethren. We got to. Yes. yes. We got. And, and I've heard people say, well, well, what about in 1 John chapter 3? Um, it, it, if, um, if you don't have, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Well, that's a metaphor. That, that it doesn't say, it doesn't, G, the, John doesn't say, if you hate your brother, you have committed murder. It, murder, that, that is a metaphor using like or as. Matthew chapter 5 does not use like or as. If you look at a woman for the purpose of lusting, you have committed adultery already with her in your heart. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you have committed adultery, period. And, and when I say period, I'm not saying in your heart is not important. Right. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean. It doesn't like, take it, away from the fact that they've committed adultery. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Absolutely. They have committed adultery. Yeah, I see Absolutely. what you're saying. And the whole thing about fornication and adultery, this needs to be taught over and over and over. Yes. It seems like our brethren have really missed this. And it's because they it's, don't study words and they it's don't. Not, it's, it's not like a big grammar, secret. man. Yeah, it's right there. It's not a big secret. You, you don't have to be me and Tony to know it. You just study it, you know. That's it. Pay attention to the sentence structure, the syntax, I hear that too. the grammar. I hear that often by otherwise great people. They just, well, there's only one reason divorce and remarriage, and that's adultery. Yeah. Wrong. Nope. That's no, not the reason. That's not what it says. Fornication. And the same way with the word translated lust. The word fornication is a different word than the word lust. That's it. It's a different word. And, and lust only means desire. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul said, I desire to go be with Jesus. He lusted. It's, it's the same word <laughs> yep. as translated lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. Yep. It's the same word translated every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. Yep. Lust is neither good nor bad. Right. It's the context of it. Difference is lusting or desiring the things that are good or desiring the things that are evil. That's it. All right. Now that we've chased this rabbit, let's come right. back. And, and not do the show for two hours. Go ahead. That's it. <laughs> marriage and homosexuality, but it doesn't work. All right. Now we're we're gonna go we're gonna go right into the next one. This is question for Christians. Okay. 
this is a, this is a, this is another stitch video where a guy kind of debunks what this person is saying. The Christians, number three. Here we go. If your God, you don't have to say your God. It's just God. All knowing. Uh huh. All powerful. Right again. Omnipotent God. We're three for three. Made all of us by His own hand. He created us exactly the way that we are. That's what you believe, right? No, the problem is in your statement exactly as we are. That's it. Because that's not what scripture teaches at all. God has created man in his own image. But the problem is through the rebellion in the garden in Genesis 3. This feller's a little Calvinistic, I just got to warn you. Yeah. And he uses a term sinful nature. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. In this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. Therefore, we don't operate in the same way that God originally designed us to. Sin means to miss the mark. We were not created to lie, cheat, to steal, to murder. This is why James says, don't say that God tempts me because each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. He goes, all right. David Strambersky asked, if children are born that way, are you saying that they are born in sin? David, we covered that at the beginning of the, of the show. Somebody can be born gay. Somebody can be born with a uh, predisposition to uh, murder. That does not make them being born in sin in any way. Children are born innocent. It is not a sin to be gay. It is a sin to act upon your sexual desires. It's not a sin to be gay any more than it is a sin to be or heterosexual. In other words, it's not a sin to be straight. It's not a sin to be gay. The sin comes from acting on that desire in a way that is not commensurate with the teaching of God's word. So as a heterosexual, I cannot go out and have, I cannot go out and act on sexual desires with women that are not married to me. In other words, with, without, you know, other than my wife, my one wife. Right. If I am a homosexual man, I cannot go out and have sex with a man, nor can I marry a man and have sex with him in, in, the, in the confines of that relationship because that is not a marriage according to God's law. But, again, that's very important. I don't get into this argument. I, I just go and concede the proposition. You, you know, the LGBTQ community, well, we're just born that way. That's fine. Okay, yeah, you are. Here's, what, here's how you're supposed to live. This question of if, the, if children are born that way, are you saying that they are born in sin? What you don't understand that you're affirming by what you're saying is that someone's very existence could be sinful with no actions. Yeah, that's not what sin is. James 1, 13 through 15, sin is an act. And that, that's what he... Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect... Well, sorry, that's not... He, he, he's the next... But let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Yep. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But everyone is tempted. Every man is tempted. Every person is tempted when they are drawn away of their own desires, their own lust. Lust, when it conceives, brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Now... In order to conceive, you have to have two partners. So here you have lust, which is a desire, and it conceives with something, 
with what would it conceive, Aaron? Your action. That's it. The progeny of that union is sin. Yep. And the the language conveys the idea that instead of a beautiful, newborn, innocent, wonderful baby, which is your your desire and your action in a godly way would produce, which is the fruit of the Spirit, if you have a desire and you take action upon that and that action is not commensurate with God's teaching, the teaching from God's Word, then there will be a progeny from that union and that that baby that that's that's a tragic thing. It's stillborn. There's nothing that can produce any life. There's no life in it. Very tragic. Yep. Very tragic. Absolutely. But no, people people are not born. There's no way people can be born in sin. And the conversation about whether or not people are quote unquote born that way is a little bit more nuanced than just oh yeah you know that person was born gay. Yeah, it's way more complicated than that. But it's it's such a nuanced conversation that I'm just like, yeah, okay, so you're born gay. Right. Let's see how, let's see how God tells are, you to live. Even if they are born gay, that is irrelevant to whether or not they have transgressed God's law in the womb. That, that's it. That's you can't it. transgress God's law in the womb. It's impossible. Yeah. You can't even transgress. Yeah. You can't even transgress. You can't even transgress God's law. Transdress. Yeah. Tra- well, that that was a was that That's a Freudian slip? In the womb I don't know. Too. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't transdress in a room womb either. No, you can't. Anyway, you can't. Tra- you you can transgress God's law after the womb, but. Only it's not until you reach the age of accountability, and that's an interesting conversation, uh, that that you're guilty of sin. So yeah, cool stuff. And David says, okay, thanks, awesome. Hope I hope yeah. I cleared that up. And if you and if you were having questions about it, I'm sure other people were as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, you you ready there, Aaron? I was just going to say you mentioned for just a moment. You said about uh, my own wife having one. You remember you just said that just a moment ago because you're specifying that we're only authorized to have one. And yes. One year to whom you're married scripturally. <laughs> Phil Sanders in the meeting, he said, you know, people say all the time, there's nothing in the New Testament condemning uh, this whole having multiple polygamy. Polygamy, he said, First Corinthians 7 2 <laughs> shuts it down, you know. Yeah. Nevertheless, because of fornication, let each man have his own wife. Very singular. explicit, singular, his own. Let each woman have her own husband. Don't tell me that the gospel does not condemn polygamy. Polygamy, It absolutely well, does. And that's such a good way to go about it as well. But, I mean, just go to Matthew 19, 9. Yep. Jesus brought one man, one woman for life into the new covenant. Right. Absolutely. Good stuff. Yes, All right. sir. You ready to go? Yeah, I got excited. It goes on to say that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. All right, so to, to, re, to re-up this video, he's making the case that this woman said, basically, if, if God is omnipotent, omnipotent, omniscient, and all that, and he, may, and he made us exactly the way we are, he said, no, no, that, you, there's your problem. He doesn't make us exactly the way we are. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change. All right. Did God make us? Did he knit us together in the womb? Yes. Did he create us in the way that we are in reference to our sinful nature? No. Sinful nature I don't agree with. I do. Well, actually, 
<laughs> well, actually. Define words here. <laughs> yeah, just define words. I agree that man has a sinful nature. Ephesians chapter 2. Yeah. Your nature is dictated, or, or your, your nature is, is a way of describing your actions. Yep. If, if you are a professional baseball player, I would say it's in his nature to play baseball. He, 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 he's, you know, we, and we say we have this vernacular. Oh, he's a natural. Or, or he's a nat- man. To it. <laughs> yeah. The, the quarterback that, that played on the high school football team when I was in high school, that dude was tall. He was long and lanky, kind of lean, had big old long arms. He, 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 was, he was going to be a quarterback. That's all there is to it. It was in his nature to be a quarterback. It was not in his na- and, and, and he liked it. He, he, he could throw the ball. He could do this, but he, he had to work at it, you know. Right. But, but anyway, but, but that, right. that's the but way. Is there you an know, argument there, too, that he was predisposed to it to some degree? Well, of because, course he was predisposed to it to uh-huh. some degree genetically. Right, like I wasn't predisposed to football because I was a little runt physically compared that's to it. the ones on the team. I mean, that's Shaquille, all there is to it. Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal and and, and well, Michael Jordan. You know, yeah. there's something there's something in their genes, man. I know you can't tell me it's not. All right, are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. If your God made me into the atheist that I am, actually, you made you into the atheist you are. So th- this is debunking f- some of the arguments that we brought up in the last video. Their argument is, if God made me that way, then I'm supposed to be that way. Right. And you trying to change me, well, it's going against the will of God. Yep. And that's what she's going to make. So he's saying, no, you, God didn't make you an atheist. Right. You made you an atheist. Right. All right. You ready, Aaron? Yeah, go ahead are today because even though you knew God, you didn't glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, your thinking became worthless and your senseless heart was darkened. Claiming to be wise, you became a fool. And it's the fool that says in his heart, there's no God. Again, we're circling back to the sinful heart of man. He gave me the free will to believe or to disbelieve. Okay, which is it? Did he make you into the atheist or do you have the free will to be an atheist? (laughs) This is why I wonder whether or not this guy's a true Calvinist. Yeah. He's like struggling there, you can tell. Yeah. Like, did he give you free will or did he make you an atheist? Yep. You, which one is it? All right. <laughs> when you pray for me, asking God to save me, how is that not a contradiction of your own God's will to have created me exactly the way that I am? It's- okay, I'm going to stop there. We don't pray for God to save people who have not obeyed the gospel. Yeah. Because that is praying in direct contrast to God's will. Right. We pray for certain things. Now, he actually alludes to this, but he, he doesn't get quite as pedantic as I would. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I would, I, my, my answer to that argument is why well, I, don't, I don't pray that you would be saved. Absolutely. I would pray that you would come to a knowledge of the truth. Absolutely. I would pray that you would. You I, I would pray that your opportunities. Yes, I would. I would pray that your heart would be softened, so you yeah. would obey the gospel. Yeah, but I would not godly, pray for her salvation. I even pray some a lot of times that godly people might step up and influence. Like God, you know, God's people will do what they need to do to influence these people that are lost. In addition to just the teaching part, like just anyhow, go ahead. Yeah, step step in and do. 
Be the influence. Teach them. That's it. It's not a contradiction because your entire argument is a non sequitur. It doesn't even follow its own internal logic. At yep. one point, you're saying you have the free will to be an atheist, and at another point, you're saying that God made you the atheist that you are. The will of God is something that the people of God discern by not being conformed to this age, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. I actually think he makes a pretty good point here that I've not quite ever made from this passage of Scripture, Romans 12. Yeah. And it is something that even the believer on a day-to-day basis will choose whether or not to submit to it. This is why Paul says to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. Because part of knowing the will of God and ultimately following the will of God is to pick up our cross and die daily. Again, circling back to the sinful desires of man. The thing is, the people who are praying for you, for you to be enlightened and come into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, their prayers are working. It is See, see how he, he kind of alludes to what I said, but he wasn't quite as pedantic or right. specific as I would have been. Right. And also, he, here he uses sinful desire, which I believe man has. It's the lust of the flesh. Absolutely. Galatians chapter, uh, Galatians chapter something. Help me out. Five, the works of the flesh. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. If, you, if you walk after the Spirit and let the Spirit lead you, you will not walk, at, walk after the flesh. Right. So I I don't think he's full-blown Calvinist. David Strambersky says he's a Lutheran. I, um, maybe he is. I don't know. Yeah. But but anyway, anyway the, the idea, he, he uses sinful nature and, and sinful desire, which I would, I would be okay with. I just wouldn't. I don't believe I would ever use sinful nature because of the confusion that it would cause. Right. Absolutely. Because that, that word sinful nature, that phrase is semantically overloaded. Oh, yes, it is. Definitely. But I like how he pointed out your arguments in non sequitur doesn't even follow its own logic. Absolutely. I'd like to hear his Romans 1 argument one more time, too, like what he said. You know, he was making a point there, and it was so quick, I didn't quite uh, fully catch um, it. Was was it in this last segment? Yes, when you said, it's when you said, I don't think I've actually made that point from that verse before. Oh, from Romans 12. What was he saying there? I missed that. Looking in the fact that you are being faced with the truth. From Romans 12. Yeah. You have the, it doesn't even follow its own internal logic. At one right point, you're that. saying you have the free will to be, or do you glorify him as God? Into the atheist that I am. Actually, you made you into the atheist you are today, because even though you knew God, you didn't glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, your thinking became worthless and your senseless heart was darkened. Claiming to be wise, you became a fool. And it's the fool that says in his heart, there's no God. Again, we're circling back to the sinful heart of man. He gave me the free will to believe or to disbelieve. Okay, which is it? So it's right here, I think, that you were talking about. It's, it's Romans right. 12. Yes. He, he makes a point from Romans 12 that I've never actually made, but I think that I agree with his making it, and I agree with the point. Yeah. So we'll listen to it again. Yeah, go ahead. Did he make you into the atheist, or do you have the free will to be an atheist? When you pray for me, asking God to save me, how is that not a contradiction of your own God's will to have created me exactly the way that I am? It's not a contradiction because your entire argument is a non sequitur. It doesn't even follow its own internal logic. At one point, you're saying you have the free will to be an atheist, and at another point, you're saying that God made you the atheist that you are. The will of God is something that the people of God discern by not being conformed to this age, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And it is something that even the believer on a day-to-day basis will choose whether or not to submit to it. 
This is why Paul says to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. Because part of knowing the will of God and ultimately following the will of God is to pick up our cross and die daily. Again, circling back to the sinful desires of man. The thing is, the people who are praying for you, for you to be enlightened and come into saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, their prayers are working. It is working in the fact that you are being faced with the truth and the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. But you have chosen to reject it rather than to embrace it. So trust me, prayer works. All right. What do you got, Aaron? I just jotted down. I was trying to Romans 12, 1. He was saying something about the will of God is something that the people of God discern. Yes. Yeah. And basically, so that, that's why Paul said you got to be transformed, not conformed. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're supposed to be living sacrifices. You know, we're to take up our cross, we're to die daily. And I don't know. I think there's some semantic issues that I would have with that. I might clean it up a little bit. I'm wondering and, uh, if he's trying to say you have to, you know, be regenerated to first be able to discern the will of God. The will of God is something the people of God discern. In other words, you can't discern the will of God unless you're a child of God already or something. Maybe. I, but, so, yeah, yeah I, that would that would be Anyhow. that would definitely be interpreting his words with a Calvinistic slant. But let's say interpret them with biblical perspective. Is that a true statement? Yeah, that the I, will I think of God, Because that was written to Christians, Romans yes. 12, 1. Yes. And, 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 and by reading that verse, we are uh, discerning and knowing the will of God. See, the will of God is something the people of God discern. We discern it by knowing it, and we act on it. You know, yes. understood correctly, I think it's a true statement. I, I think it is, too. I, of course, I think... In a very uh, literal sense, presenting your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, that's your service to God that's able to be reasoned from what we've been taught. Well, that goes back to Romans 6. We're baptized into Christ. We're raised again to walk in newness of life. We're a living sacrifice like God, like Christ is a living sacrifice. Yep. And But it has to be a daily continuance. Yep. That's why we're renewed. It's First Thessalonians. No, 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 not First Thessalonians. Is it Titus one five, or First Thessalonians one five? Or there's a one five about the renewing of, yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, washing a regeneration. Yeah, is it Titus? Titus, Titus, Titus three five. I think. Yeah. yeah. Nope, that's not Titus one five. Is it three five? I think it's three five about the Holy Spirit and the washing of regeneration. Yeah, not by works, but 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 when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Yeah, so we we have to be renewed. And I think that that renewing probably, I mean, it's according to Jesus' words in the bread of life discourse. Yeah. It's it it happens continually. Like we drink of the fountain, we eat yes. of, of Jesus, and it happens continually. Yeah. So so I, I another way to describe that would be daily. <laughs> exactly. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe but yeah, do, so these yeah. This this whole argument of, well, if 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 I am what I am because God made me that way, therefore what I am is good. No, 
you you are what you are in spite of how God wanted you to be. Mm -hmm. Regardless of whatever psychological and physiological barriers you have to overcome to conform to his standard. Yep. You have to sacrifice yourself. If you're a homosexual man, you got to put that homosexual man to death. Mm-hmm. And you're raised again to walk in newness of life, uh, but I still I still have homosexual desires. Then you don't act on them. Yeah. Well, I'm a heterosexual man that indiscriminately has sex with heterosexual women. Well, you got to put that that one to death. Stop it. But I still have that desire. It's hard for me to be faithful to my wife. Well, then then you gotta you gotta continually day by day through the renewal of the Holy Spirit, which is through the word, continue to put that one to death. Yep. In other words, you can't act on those desires. Yep. Keep having your mind renewed. And the closer you get to the cross with that message, it helps you to put away that regular behavior. That's it. That's it. Good stuff. I hope, I hope this cleared up questions that someone might have had from last week's show. Yep. Yep. Because we were very specific and it was very good today. We, yes. And then not that I think we were functioning at a deficit last week, but it's not something that we honed in on. Yeah. Like this week, the whole show was about it, you know, and, and, and about the phrase, look, just because you're born some kind of way doesn't mean you're, your very existence is sinful. Yeah. Right. You, you, you're, you're only in sin when you take action based on that desire. Yep. Anyway. I, it's so much, there's so much in that. We could, we could go on and can, there's so many things that come to mind, you know, just I know. Calvinism and born a sinner. And that just shows, you know, misunderstanding of what sin is. Yeah. But. Mm. Well. I'm keeping my mouth closed. I know we've been I know. About an hour and ten minutes. So yeah. I've I've enjoyed it though. It's been good. Yeah, it's sure. been a good good been a good conversation despite our technical difficulties in the yeah. beginning. Um, but I think maybe the sound and production will be okay. At least yeah. it'll be adequate. And yeah. uh yeah. I had I had to do something, Aaron. My desk was so cram packed full of stuff, I had to make some room because I found myself kind of avoiding some work that I, that I needed to be doing. And uh, I now I think I have a workspace more conducive to productivity. That's good. And uh, yeah. Anyway, well, you got anything as we close? That I think everything we've said is straight from God's word, and we've got to be able to apply these, you know, these concepts. We have to be able to understand what it means to violate God's law, to uh, be people that live in the world but not be of it, to be people that could be subjected to being born with a proclivity, you know, with desires or with other things that we can't even know the full ramification of, like you said, That's it. you know, uh, there's things that, 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 that a, that a baby goes through in the womb that we don't know the full effect of, but the fact is they affect everybody involved That's behaviors absolutely. affect everybody. And then there are, then there are other things, you know, a mother who smokes is going to affect her baby in the womb, a mother who yeah. does other things, you know, I, I try to just, I try to help provide a very, to the best, I do this all the time to the best of my ability, but it's especially on my mind. Like when my wife has been pregnant, trying to 
relieve her mind as much as possible. Like I, I feel like the stress that a mother can have could be harmful, probably is, to the no, child. I'm saying it could be. It does. It is. <laughs> yeah. So all of that, you know, um, and let them be at peace. You know, we got one right now. My, or we have one right now. My wife, we're expecting one in December. So yeah. this is very fresh on my mind. Oh my mind. And I'm thinking about I talked to I talked to the baby. You know, I talked to Molly in the womb. I talked yeah. I, I go over there and up by her, you know, or by her belly and I talked to her and I I wanted to hear soothing tones and 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 we sing to her and you know, all these things. She all of this affects anyhow. I just that comes to my mind when I've been right. thinking about the things we've been thinking about. People are affected and they have a proclivity, they have desires, they come out of the womb with these things, but Again, we have clearly defined from Scripture what sin is yes. and, and how we don't inherit the sins of our fathers and these kind of We're not guilty of, we don't inherit Adam's guilt. That's another you know podcast. But anyhow, those, these are all important things. God does yeah. not make someone that way. That's the Absolutely. final word. Yes. And, and again, I would, I would uh, apply the same logic that some people apply to homosexuality to heterosexuality. Yep. Well, I was born a heterosexual. And I have desires that I've had all my life to have sex with women. What, what can I do? Well, you can get married and have sex with one woman, but I still have desires to have sex with women. And God made me that way. And God did make everybody like that. That was God's plan. He did make you that way Tony, <laughs> in for a very whatever, literal sense. I'm opening up very personally here, but for whatever reason, when I was five years old, I remember desiring girls and kissing girls. I remember being in yeah. kindergarten, kissing my girlfriend in the tires on the playground. Yeah. Kinder, kindergarden. Yeah. And when I was five years old, as far as I can remember, I don't recall ever seeing like pornographic pictures or yeah. videos or anything. I do not recall any of that. And I've never known my parents to have any of those things that, yep. you know, I know at that age they could have, and I didn't know, but I'm just saying, I, there's a lot of factors. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we have desires. We I'm have a, with you. You know, we have sexual desires, but anyway. we just don't act on them. Exactly. All right. I think it's time to shut her down. Aaron, you got yeah, anything yeah. left to say before we shut her down? Oh, that's all. That's all I got. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget this is available on audio as well. And you can go on there on, on, on Tony's podcast and share that around. Some people like listening to audio as opposed to watching the video. That's it. Listen, folks, it's been Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson with Christianity Now. We appreciate you watching with us. We appreciate any kind of help that you could give us, whether it's monetary or whether it's uh, sharing our content. If you uh, desire to help us out monetarily, there are ways to do that. Those will be in the show notes on the audio podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the audio podcast. It's actually on my Cogitations podcast channel at... Uh, just go to Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and just about any everywhere, and uh, search for Cogitations. And and in about an hour or so, this will be uploaded, and you'll be able to listen to it in the background on your phone through your earbuds or whatever. Yeah. And uh, we're signing off. This has been Tony Bernard and Dotson with Christianity Now. We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>